Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 22 of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This episode is for the week of uh, October 26th. And thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing with Episcopal Retirement Services. And I'm here with Kristen Davenport, our Director of Communications for ERS and our Executive Producer. How are you, Kristen? Really doing well today, Brian. It's good to talk with you. How's it going for you? It's good. It's uh, I love fall. The colors on the trees have been absolutely marvelous. And uh, it's just kind of nice driving around, isn't it? I, I like this uh, cooler weather. I can uh, take a few more weeks of this. I'm, I'm up for it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and with that, you know, I think we're starting to see a, a rise in infections and COVID. And I know you and I started this seven months kind of in light of that. So uh, I think there's some some uh, discussion about that on the table today, but hopefully everybody, you know, stays, stays socially distanced, wears their masks and follows the guidelines. Brian, we have some great guests with us today. Um, this week I spoke, uh, with James Willis. James is a resident at Parkview place in Anderson, Indiana. He and I talked a lot about, uh, his positive mental attitude and um, some new things that he's trying and learning um, during this time. And uh, you got to check in with president and CEO, Lara Lamb. Always good to get an update mm-hmm. from Lara. And our final guest was actually two guests. We had a couple uh, that you were able to interview from the Episcopal Church Home um, community of Dudley Square Patio Homes in Louisville, Kentucky. Don and Carol Mead. So I look forward to hearing their, uh, their interview as well. That's right. There's always a first for everything. And this is our first couple interview. So that was, that was a lot of fun and I'll be anxious to share that. Okay. So with that being said, you want to uh, interview, uh, inter- introduce our first guest. I was able to interview James Willis this week. James is a resident of Park View Place in Anderson, Indiana. And uh, James and I have something in common. We've both lived in a YMCA. So um, let's meet James. James, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. And how, how are things going for you today in Anderson, Indiana? Hey, everything is uh, fine. Uh, I just uh, was outside a few minutes ago, and you couldn't ask for any nicer weather than what we're having here today. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Where I am today, it's also beautiful. Um, That's one of those uh, things that uh, I seem to appreciate even more now that I'm not commuting, that I'm uh, home a lot more. It gives me more time to step outside and enjoy the beautiful weather when we've got it. So I think that's a that's a plus for right now. I just a lot of residents here at Parkview Manor were out in the park today. Oh yes, yes, that's yes. It out, that's for sure. the The temperature's perfect. The sun is shining. It couldn't be better. Well, James, I just wanted to check in with you today, and uh, other than just seeing how you're doing, I wanted to ask a little bit about what are some of the things that you're doing. I know we're. It looks like we're kind of in this for the long haul. Um, we've all got to keep a positive attitude and stay resilient. Um, I was just wondering, what are some of the things that you're doing there or you and your neighbors are doing to stay active and stay engaged during all this? Well, I think uh, I'm having more reliance on doing some educational things. I, I've uh, 
decided to learn how to speak Spanish, and I'm doing that over the internet. I'm uh, staying engaged with the people that I've known for a long time on social media. I'm making a lot more phone calls uh, so I can hear uh, people's voices and check in with them on different things. I've got a son that lives in Tipton, Indiana, which is one county over from Madison County where I live. And then I've got a daughter that's a professor at uh, Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois. And I call her on the phone frequently and we just discuss a whole an array uh, of different topics. And so uh, I'm keeping busy in that way. That is wonderful. Keeping up those connections is just a great way to stay engaged. Um, and, and taking up a new language. I mean, that is a textbook, how to keep your brain sharp. Doing the things you love is great, but always doing something new is, um, is really good for your brain. So um, kudos to you, James, on both of those notes. Well, I'm also lobbying ERS uh, for the gentlemen that, that live here. Of course, we're completely outnumbered by the number of women that live in this facility as opposed to the number of men. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have craft things for the women and other things that uh, uh, the, the gardening uh, club that they have. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of activities for women. But uh, me and the boys here are uh, lobbying for a pool table. We haven't got that yet, but we're still talking about it. Well, that would not be completely out of the norm. Actually, we had a community that's not too far from you guys is uh, Shawnee Place up in uh, Springfield, Ohio. And a donor was uh, moving from their home and uh, did not have a need for a very uh, beautiful pool table. They donated and they, they had it delivered and uh, there was the right space in the community room for it so they made room for it and I'm sure it is enjoyed quite a bit we always have some great photos of uh, the residents playing pool um, both men and women although I'm sure for the men well, sure. that's a big draw that's a well yeah there's a lot to do here of course uh, Parkview Place Apartments is located in the same building with a YMCA so there's a, a lot of things you can do as far as health and fitness through the YMCA but some of us guys have some uh, conditions that don't allow us to lift weights or, or, or run or do these kind of things. But pools, just the, or billiards, whatever you want to refer to it as, just the right amount of exercise. And if you, if you don't think it's good exercise, uh, play pool for a couple hours, bending over and walking around that table. You'll see that you get a, a pretty good workout from doing those kind of things. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, I like your plug for something new. As always, we uh, we look for those uh, opportunities to add to the services and amenities that uh, we have for our, for our residents and all our communities. You, you talk about amenities. I wanted to just give you a little idea about how well ERS picked out this location for Parkview Place Apartments when we talk about amenities for seniors. You know, we, we live in an area, uh, in the same building, we have a YMCA. We... Uh, are contiguous with a piece of property next door that is Dickman Park, whereas the city has all kinds of events over there and a summer concert series. There's a, a couple uh, nightlife venues uh, within a, a half a block of, of my building. The Paramount Theater sits right across the street. Uh, you've got the First Methodist Church catty corner from us you've got the episcopal church just two blocks down a mcdonald's two mexican restaurants within walking distance the madison county historical society uh, museum is half a block away 
You've got the Anderson Public Library uh, within a block. There's just a wide uh, array of amenities just within, you know, a short walk of this location. Well, that is so wonderful. You know, I visited um, your your location there when it first opened, when we had the grand opening a number of years ago. And uh, I do remember being really impressed with with that area. I didn't get to explore a whole lot, but boy, you just listed just a wealth of, of different uh, options there for, for everybody within walking distance. That's amazing. Also, I'd like to take this opportunity to talk, talk about your staff here at the building. You know, Molly Ray and Legay, uh, Molly being the resident manager here, uh, uh, she manages the facility, Ray and maintenance. Uh, Legay does uh, uh, some of the cleaning and janitorial work. These people are fantastic. They they're they're kind to the residents. They treat them with respect. Uh, they they do for them probably beyond what their job description calls for them to do. And I just want to give a little shout out to them about how well they do their jobs and how well they treat the residents here. It's really, it's really amazing to me. Well, James, thank you so much for complimenting my team members that way. Um, I value um, our, our friends in affordable living. Most of them just really, like you said, they dedicate themselves to our residents just beyond just a job. And um, it's good to hear that uh, Molly and her team up there in Anderson is, is doing a great job and getting some praise from you today. I really appreciate that. Um, so give me a little bit um, of a reflection. I know um, over these past few months, um, we've done our best to try to support residents in new ways because uh, new things were needed. Um, tell me a little bit about what it's meant to you to be able to get some of the meals and some of the other items that um, donors were, were were ready with for us to, to get to our um, residents. Well, the frozen meals subsidizes everybody's nutrition here because, as we all know, as the month goes on, we get a little shorter and shorter of money, and we can just plug those things in the freezer when we get them, and when we get down to the end of our money, we can uh, eat those meals to subsidize our, our nutrition, and what what has really made a big difference is that, like I call them the the COVID care packages that you guys have sent us yes. with the toilet paper and the hand sanitizer, and I, I got a little bottle of detergent and fabric softener, just a just some everyday stuff that you use, and mm-hmm. and of course when you get those things in that COVID care package. Uh, it saves you money from buying them at the store, and that's always appreciated. So uh, I think ERS has, has gone that extra mile to provide those, you know, because that's not my lease. You guys provide me meals or COVID care packages. I didn't see that anywhere in the lease. So it's awfully nice of you guys to do those things for the residents. Well, and hopefully that is one of the the things that sets uh, ERS apart from some of the other places. Uh we, we do strive to support our residents in many ways. And so this was a new way for us to step up and our donors certainly stepped up and were so generous with, um, uh, we called them our toilet, our toilet paper angels. You know, they just showered us with <laughs> rolls and rolls and hey, rolls uh, of toilet paper. It was wonderful. When, when, when you happened. see, when you have a meeting with your donors again, Yes. Make sure you tell them there's a guy up here in Anderson, Indiana, that really appreciates what they've done for all the residents. You bet, James. I will make sure that they know that their uh, efforts are appreciated. Well, uh, it's been great to get to talk with you today and um, and hear how things are going there. Um, tell our listeners maybe just something that uh, you're, you're really is number one on your list of things you're looking forward to when um, 
when it's safe for us to get back to some of the things that we enjoyed before COVID? Well, I the thing that I'm looking most forward to is going to lunch with my friends again and having the in-person, face-to-face conversations that are so important uh, to me to have with my friends to maintain those relationships and going to Notre Dame football games. Wow. that Those are two things that are um, right at the top of my list, too. Um, in-person <laughs> sporting events are, are really missed, I think. Um, by me especially and my family and um, and getting together in person is is much more uh, personal than uh, than a zoom call it's, it's nice to be able to see each other through FaceTime and things like that but uh, yeah there's really nothing like that sitting down to a meal in a restaurant is uh, a good yeah that's uh, breaking bread with people that you know in a place mm-hmm. that you like I mean there's no substitute for that yeah, I agree, James. I agree. Well, thank you so much again for, for joining us today, and I hope the rest of your day is great. Well, thank you so much, uh, and I, I love that you asked me to be on the program, and I was happy to do it, and uh, just want to say to everybody that's listening out there, hey, you know, stay home, stay safe. Thanks. Kristen, that was a a wonderful interview with James. It was so nice to hear how positive he is. And it sounds like he's really taking some time to learn new things by learning Spanish and and even using technology to his benefit, uh, as so many of us have really relied on. Absolutely, Brian. And it was uh, James is a new resident for me to get to know. And uh, it just reminds me that uh, when this is all said and done, I'm looking forward to being able to travel around to our communities again and meet residents like James. So right now we're meeting them virtually and I'm enjoying that. Yeah. That's been one of the fun things of this podcast. I think we get to really talk with some people that we know and, and get to, to know some people that we haven't met. So it's, it's really been a lot of fun. So I guess next up, you've got your interview with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb. So I'm back here this week with President and CEO, Laura Lamb. Hi, Laura. How are you? Oh, Brian, doing well. How about you? Doing good. And it's uh, it's now late fall, late October. And I, I know we were talking earlier about, you know, the, the blessings of, of fall and, and what we appreciate. And, and I was wondering what, what, what you like about this time of year. Well, you know, I've been working... Um, since I was uh, 14 years old and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and typically this time of year, I go to work before the sun comes up and I don't get home until, I, you know, the sun's already gone down and working right. at home, I'm noticing the beauty that, that I've, I'm embarrassed to say I've never really noticed. Um, mm-hmm. Outside my home office, I have this gorgeous tree and it's this vivid orange and and um, red leaves and I said to my husband I said look at that tree and he laughed at me he's like honey it's been there 15 years I can tell you I don't think I've ever noticed it I don't think I've ever noticed how beautiful it is so I think we were sharing in a meeting what what's kind of getting us through and I'm just trying to notice the things that I've missed right the yeah. things that maybe in my hustle and bustle and the pace 
uh, in the schedule that, that I didn't stop to enjoy. So definitely the fall leaves is something I'm enjoying, but um, my husband, um, now that they're on the ground, doesn't think that my joy is um, gonna last too much longer. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. I've got a big pile. I still have to finish outside. So, oh, it's, oh well, oh well. Again, there's joy. We have to find joy even in that part of the process, right? Oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I think you know, to your point, the fall is always such a busy season for us. So it, it is. is nice to to kind of in, enjoy the season a little little more than maybe we've been able to. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, speaking of the fall, I, I mean, we've certainly seen a, a shift in the news, uh, particularly in, in light uh, of COVID. Um, we're seeing, you know, some spikes all over uh, the country and particularly in our areas that we serve here in, in Hamilton County and um, in Jefferson County down in, in Louisville. And um, I, I wondered if you could kind of provide a little backdrop of, of kind of where we are from a community standpoint, uh, overall community, and, and then how that impacts our, our retirement communities and, uh, and the people we serve and, and our staff. Well, I, I, you know, months ago, it's been months ago, um, the Washington Post put out an article about, you know, why certain facilities are having um, outbreaks, outbreaks, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, story was that it's not so much of what, what we do in the building, although that's very helpful. It's actually more dependent on what's happening in the surrounding community. So right. when I hear about Hamilton County and Jefferson County, at the highest level or the second highest level and teetering towards that high level with hospital rates and admission rates um, to skilled nursing. It, it scares me, Brian, because what it says to me is what, because I know what happens in the county is gonna come in via, you know, just society, staff right. have to go back and forth. Right. Um, and so that, that is, um, I think we're in a period where we're starting to see more uh, staff and residents have symptoms. And I think there's a direct correlation because of the occurrence rate in our counties. Yeah. And the challenge is, Brian, is that we can control what happens in our buildings. We right. can't control what happens in the counties. So right. that that is a little problemsome because again, there's a direct correlation and we, we've seen that when the right. Hamilton County several months ago spiked when then we had more occurrences and we're, we're starting to see that. So it's, it's troublesome. It's also troublesome because of the time of the year. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, we are, indoors more and we right. know based on the science that the more often you're indoors with people the higher the transmission rate right so you know uh, i i said something to someone just the other day wow you know the, it's a long period before between you know late october and spring how are we going to be together and not have a a negative result of transmission. Right. Um, 
and and there's a limit to what we can do about that because again um the virus spreads through that close physical contact and that indoor ventilation and all right. the things that are a challenge right and and there's been obviously a fatigue out there we've been doing this for what seven months and and we probably saw things get a little bit better and get a little worse and get a little better again but it's it's probably more important than ever right now as we head into winter as you said it can't be any more important and i think fatigue is a very nice way i think you're being very kind i, I see people <laughs> that are just exhausted and yeah. Um, wondering how they're going to muster the energy and the wherewithal to continue. And, you know, we, we've talked about that as a team, haven't we, that we have mm -hmm. to rely on all the discussions that we've been having about how you, we have to reframe it. We can't, we can't go into it being defeated. We have to say, listen, this is what we know. We know that if we are just heightened the, 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 the protocols related to your masks right. and wear your mask, wear your mask whenever you leave your home. Mm -hmm. We're, we, we're all over it now, right? We yeah. all have gotten over that. Oh, it's hot. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Right. It, yeah. it, it's the, it's what we have to do to be safe, make ourselves safe and make other people safe. So wear your mask, social distancing, all those things we have to, you know, we have to do those things like our lives or our elders' lives depend on it because they do. Right. So let's just do it. Let's just do it and and reframe and say it's not a question of, oh, how long do we have to do this? It's wow, we get to do this. We get to um make sure that we're practicing all those so that we can, we can remain stay safe and our loved ones can remain safe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, as a, as a society, and I hear this, you know, from our elders, from their stories of living through challenging times, it, you know, it's, it's our duty to kind of sacrifice now so that we can, you know, live a better life in the future. And I, I, I've always found that really interesting to, to hear that perspective from our, our elders. And I'm sure you've heard that a lot over the years. As well, you've I, just, know. I just love it because this generation has lived through those things that maybe, yeah. maybe Brian, you and I, or our kids have not. And right. the perspective that you get, I mean, I, I know you're referring to a, a podcast that we had where one of our residents at Marjorie Lee so eloquently shared that with us is that, you know, this is a time when you're, when you have a public health crisis, mm -hmm. this is a time where the needs of all supersedes my wants and desires. Right. Right. Um, and, and I feel that, and I, we're fortunate to be around our residents um, every day that have a perspective that, I think we'll have when we're on the other side of this, right? <laughs> you and I will be the ones telling yeah. our, our kids, well, remember during, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we're not quite there yet. So yeah, yes, yeah. we have to rely on their learnings and their perspective that this is what, this is what you do. And, and we, we will, 
get through it together. And by golly, we're going to be stronger um, getting through it together. Yeah. So, so where does that leave our, our staff and our residents and our communities that we're operating? I, I, you know, we've been kind of slowly opening up, you know, some of the, um, you know, like the dining options at Dupree house as a, as a pilot and, some of the residents are going out for drives and, you know, doing carry through and, and we've been talking now about indoor visits per the governor's guidelines, but I, as this shifts and changes and or accelerates, how does that impact our, you know, our communities? Well, I wish I could say it doesn't, but it absolutely does, Brian. I mean, Mm -hmm. to be very transparent, it's all on the table. I mean, if, if the county continues, I mean, first of all, as far as the out indoor visits and the guidelines from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service, it's all contingent on the, the surrounding communities and the cases in your building, right? In your community. And so indoor visits will not happen within a 14 day of any case. Um, right. That, that's... And congregate dining will need to be scaled back if there were, you know, several cases. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of it depends. And, you know, we have our leadership team that meets literally daily yep. um, to work on, you know, what based on where we are right this minute, what, mm-hmm. what can we do? What can't we do? How can we be as safe as possible? but not be overly and burdensomely restrictive, right? right? So it's it's a balance act that I just have so much respect for the members of that team that that are doing this every day, balancing um, kind of what's happening inside, outside, and what's the best decision for our residents and our staff. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how it's evolved over the years, because or over the over the the months, and and you know where we were at at the beginning versus where we're at now. And I think now we're doing more. We're we're doing more testing. That testing's evolved over right. over the months. And and can you tell us, you know, what we're doing now at ECH and and at Marjorie P. Lee and Dupree? Yeah, um, that's interesting. It has evolved, Brian. So. Um, we're, we're, we're in a really good place because I've told you in the past that we're, we, you know, we, um, have different, you know, states saying one thing and the federal government saying another, they finally come together and they're basing it on the occurrence rate in the community, generally speaking. So we're Mm -hmm. all on that same page. Mm -hmm. So essentially ECH Jefferson County is at the highest level right now. So the highest level, when you're at the highest level, you have to test your staff twice a week. Right. Wow. Twice a week. Oh wow. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Just think of the administrative, like wherewithal and time and, you know, capacity issue on that. But that's what we're doing. We've been doing that several weeks, because not because of ECH's internal issues, right. but because of the county. Right. Um, similarly, um, both Dupree and Marjorie Lee, because of Hamilton County, were just recently bumped up to weekly. 
So wow. weekly testing. So not, yeah. not quite as bad. It's once a week versus right. twice a week. But right. again, as I look at Hamilton County, um, you know, every time, every time I look, see anything of national map, Ohio is always um, red right now. And when you right. look at Hamilton County, it's it's the most colorful one. <laughs> yeah. In this state of the um, state of Ohio, so yeah, I think we're headed in that direction, unfortunately, because of the county. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that takes up a lot of time and resources, but you know, in the end, we're helping protect each other and our residents and, and it allows us to be diligent. You know, I, I um, was talking to a member of my family about that, that testing and we have to test so much or right. is that why we're getting so much positive cases? And, you know, yeah. I, I really pulled back and asked with this again, I, oh, you know, me, I always go back to the science because there are so many people that are asymptomatic mm -hmm. and they're spreading it testing is the only way to identify if you have it yeah you know brian you and i know that we we have had cases within like our our family groups and uh, you know our friends that that you know they they have it and they can't pinpoint where they got it well that's because they got it from an asymptomatic person right right so testing is just so critical because without the testing, you know, people are out there asymptomatic spreading. And that's why I think the state and now the federal government, CMS has said, testing is critical because right. without the testing, you don't know where you're at. Right, right. And we can remove those people so that they're not passing it along. And, and for, you know, so many cases that are asymptomatic or maybe very minor. I know you and I have both heard of, you know, people that have some very serious long-standing symptoms or, or even just short-term, very serious symptoms. And that, that's scary. It is, it is. And it, that you, we really can't predict, right. you know, I think a lot of people say, oh, I'm relatively healthy. If I get it, it's going to be no, no greater than the flu. And you see cases and we've seen cases where healthy people have struggled for months. Yeah. Still not well. Yeah. Um, and that that's frightening because again, this, this is new. Um, the science of this disease has not evolved. We don't know everything that we want to know about it. Right. Right. Yeah. We're still, still learning, still, still adapting. Right. So for, um, I guess just kind of a last maybe comment um, that I maybe wanted to get to with you is, you know, given all this effort that the staff is undergoing and the sacrifices our residents have made and are making, and as we learn, you know, I, I imagine you're really proud of the, 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 the team and the, the residents and the families. I mean, they've really been good on so many levels to you know make our little corner of the universe kind of a, a better place and i just wanted to hear maybe your perspective on that brian i i think i said it at the gala i couldn't be more pleased with everyone's response and and proud just doesn't begin to to describe how how i feel about are, and, and, and it's everyone, you know, I always start with the staff. Uh, it's, it's just, it's kind of, 
you know, where, where I'm at, they, they have burdened the lion's share of the guidelines and the, the new ways of working and trying to make sure that our residents and our families are connected and engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm proud of the residents. I'm proud of the families. I'm proud to be affiliated with an organization with such a st- strong board and committee leadership that, that would, will do anything for us. Um, and, you know, it's oftentimes you have to just helicopter up and mm-hmm. trees that I didn't see, <laughs> you, yep. you gotta have to helicopter up and look at the big picture and realize how fortunate we are. We had, we had a surveyor come in, um, to one of our communities just, just this week mm-hmm. for infection control, just monitoring to make sure everything was top notch, which it was. And they were very impressed. And they said at this one particular campus, they said, you've had no residents with COVID. <laughs> They've asked, they asked the staff like that five times, like, wow. she, like she could not believe it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you, you have to remember that we get, I, I shouldn't say we, I get, you know, focused on what's happening right now. And right. sometimes yeah, I have yeah. to say, okay, in the scheme of it, in the scheme of seven months to have such a very small, less than 1% occurrence rate. Wow. That yeah. is, that is something to be very, very proud of and and want you to work really hard. I mean, because the other side of that is we don't want to go have come this far right. and then make foolish decisions, get too excited about whatever right. and and ruin it, right? Or, or complacent. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's that balance. It's that, you know, making sure that we're being cautious and mm-hmm. not or and being the least restrictive that we can be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we've been talking about this on and off, obviously for seven months, you know, the urgency, it kind of goes up and goes down, but I I think it's, I I appreciate you really taking the time to, to have this open dialogue and just kind of updating everyone and, and sharing your perspective. Um, you know, and, and we'll be doing this for a while, but I, you know, I, again, I appreciate that. Absolutely. That perspective. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, with that, um, we'll, uh, just agree. We'll, we'll be back together next week and I'm sure have even more to talk about and update our group. So thanks for joining us, Laura. There's no shortage, is there? Never. <laughs> Never a shortage. Well, good to talk to you, Brian. Talk to you next week. Okay. Brian, as always, great to hear from Laura, and it's it's so good to know that um, everyone in the ERS communities and all of our team members are staying diligent and um, keeping up with the precautions and, and trying to keep everybody safe. As we talked about with Laura, there's certainly a big challenge up there, and it's certainly really concerning as we see the numbers, but, you know, as we've learned more, we know more, and, you know, we can kind of safely try new things, but also understanding what we need to do and and those basics things of what we need to do and socially distancing and wearing our masks and 
knowing where to go and when to go, those things all really matter. And it was really good to, to I think, get that information and that reminder from, from Laura. But, you know, you can obviously really tell how proud she is of not just the, the staff, but the residents, the families, everybody's just doing what they need to do to all stay as safe as possible. Agreed. Very proud of our organization, especially on that front. Yeah. Brian, I guess we've got our last two guests, um, Don and Carol Mead. You want to introduce them? Yeah, Don and Carol uh, are a great couple down at Episcopal Church Home in the Dudley Square neighborhood, and I had a really fun time catching up with them. And and I think just like uh, with your interview with James, they're so positive and have really found some ways of of staying engaged. So here's my interview with Don and Carol Mead. So I'm here this week with Carol and Don Mead of Episcopal Church Home. They live at Dudley Square down there. Welcome, Carol and Don. How are you? Thank you. We're good. We are. Thank you so much for joining us. And as we kind of been talking with our residents over the last seven months, just basic question, you know, we've been through so much. How are you guys doing? How are you holding up uh, during the pandemic? Well, where to start? It's been so many months. Right now, I guess I'd say eight more days than the election will be over, or at least we will have all voted, I hope. But I know that the uh, COVID has exasperated just how we feel. Right. And just day by day, yeah. Yeah, big ups and big downs, I think. Yeah. On the day and the news cycle. And, you know, we're obviously, we, we went through that kind of, initial wave of what's going on and we've got to learn from this and then it seemed mm-hmm. to kind of dip down and it's gone back up and we're kind of they're talking about this third wave now so I'm- yes we're pretty nervous but uh, we uh, try to find things to enjoy and be engaged in sure sure you know to that point what what are the things that you've done throughout the spring and summer now into the fall i, I know you, when we were kind of talking before the interview you, you have your trip up to michigan that you take for several months and you're home there well i guess i would say i'm reading more and i do a lot of writing i'm right now i'm not in feet to the fire which is the writing program at the episcopal church home although angela the coach has started a zoom class now Right. Um, but I, I have always written, my children say I keep the post office solvent, but I don't believe that. Uh, I wish I could. Um, but I've connected with a lot of friends and family that way. And um, <clears throat> I think right now what's really keeping me involved is Chaplain Lisa at the Episcopal Church Home has done a wonderful study Um, for two months. We have one more month to go and um, I've been helping with another person to uh, lead the discussions every Friday morning. So that's good. It's something to challenge me and something to study. It's good. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. How about you, Don? Um, What what, what kind of things keep you kind of busy and motivated through all of this? My, my professional life, I'm a retired economist and spent a lot of my life uh, working overseas, uh, mostly in Sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. Oh, wow. And um, that's put me in touch with some wonderful groups of people from across the country 
and across the world, in fact, who are also interested in the particular parts of the world that I'm interested in. And uh -huh. um, so the, we're, we're a part of uh, really three different networks uh, of the Presbyterian Church. We're both Presbyterians and mm -hmm. these uh, national networks uh, have regular meetings of people who are interested in a particular area or a particular topic. And uh, the, it's, uh, I think they've been extraordinarily creative during the time of the close down from COVID uh, mm -hmm. in you know, replacing annual meetings or regular gatherings with Zoom meetings. And so um, that's provided just a, just a very exciting and wonderful and interesting way of staying engaged Mm -hmm. um, one of the, the ones that Carol and I have been involved in recently is uh, focused on Syria and Lebanon. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a, a national group of the Presbyterian Church that normally meets once a year. Uh, and this year, uh, they planned their meeting in Southern California. And that was a problem for us because oh, that's yeah. Uh, too far. We were planning to go out there for a wedding a little earlier in the summer, so two trips out of there was impossible. But yeah. then they canceled it and uh, had a, a virtual meeting in instead. And so, for example, this year, well, the, the normal annual meetings have something like 40 people who attend from around the country mostly. But this year, I think there were 85 who signed up because it was virtual. So people could stay home and participate in it. And we had uh, four people on the call who were uh, living in Beirut and uh, they were able to um, tell oh, wow. us what was really going on up, up right yeah. from a bird's eye view. Yeah. Uh, and that was just very exciting. So there's a number of things like that that uh, are uh, national organizations which are open, which are being very creative in the ways that they can involve people. And uh, I think a number of those have have really made new opportunities to participate in ways that were impossible when the meetings were all held face to face. So that's been very exciting to be a part of. It's, it keeps us alive and active and, and I think engaged. Well, with our um, connections in Michigan, you know, we would say goodbye in the fall and then come back in the spring. But this way, we sometimes, well, we're still connected to our church there and um, some meetings that we are interested in, peace and justice. That's all good. Yeah. That's great to hear. It, it certainly has made us all have to pivot and do things new ways, but you know we can still stay really engaged with our friends and our groups. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways, even more so. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. uh, because uh, you can participate more easily. Um, I, I'm with a, a group of, of buddies that has been meeting for maybe 20 years, uh, wow. um, once every other week or something like that. But when COVID came along, we realized we could do it by Zoom. So we're now meeting every week. And yeah. uh, basically everybody can come even if they're traveling somewhere. So that's, that's really been a, a wonderful way of to, maintaining our friendship and making it even stronger from a distance. That is fabulous, fabulous to hear. So it's, and it sounds like, you know, faith is an important part of, of your, your all's life. And, and one of the questions I really like asking our, our residents is, I, I know you've seen national crises, probably personal crisis challenges that have popped up in your life, whether it be, 
you know, wars or the polio or other things, what are, what are some of the things that, that help you kind of get through these challenging times or help offer you perspective? Um, is there any advice you can share with myself and our listeners? Well, I think part of it is we read um, Christian Century, and that's a very ecumenical um, periodical that comes out every week. And so that helps my faith and um, our daily walk. So we're really soaking in nature. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find parallels. Uh, I've uh, been through um, some some real crises overseas. Uh, we were living, I was living in, in, uh, in Ethiopia at the, in the last years of the Emperor Haile Selassie. And there was a lot of struggles going on there. And the, my boss was thrown in prison. And um, oh we were, uh, it, was, it was the last days before an overthrow of the government. Uh, and um, I lived in, in Uganda at the, at, at the time that um, there was a, uh, an attempted overthrow of the government there and a rebellion and so a lot of fighting. Oh my God. So um, we've uh, experienced some of that in uh, third world countries. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure how much parallel there is between that yeah. and this. I think uh, it's, uh, it's mostly, uh, I think the, the strength that we get for going through it here is, is much more uh, faith-based. Right. Uh, rather than experience-based. Um, I'm not sure that uh, my faith had much to do with the way I responded to those um, real revolutions that we watched. And, right. Uh, so, um, yeah, this is a once in a century pandemic and I, yes. none of us have lived through anything like this, but it's been certainly interesting, you know, to, to learn over the last six months that, um, you know, how, how we can kind of help each other and, and the evolution of it and how to maybe kind of give a roadmap going forward. So, right. Mm -hmm. When all of this is over, what are you all looking forward to, you know, kind of getting back to normal? What's that one thing or the, the, the things oh, that connecting with our friends and family. Yes. <laughs> um, when we go to Michigan, our children, I have three, children and Don has three and they try to come up every summer for a week. Um, and of course that didn't happen this past summer. Uh -huh. And um, so just seeing our family, our my oldest granddaughter was going to get married in California this past June and uh, that was wow. postponed till next year. So, yeah. And also just here at Dudley Square, you know, we maybe see each other with masks on when we're out walking, but right. uh, I really miss not having that friendship. Yeah, yeah the cocktail hours and the get togethers yeah. at the restaurants and things like that. It's mm -hmm. such a tight knit community and I mm -hmm. have the pleasure of attending a few of the events and it's, yeah. it's always very yeah. nice. what about you well uh, you're right those um, happy hours on wednesday or the meals that we go to um i think we're you know there are 52 units i think in our in w square right now and we probably are uh friends of uh, more than half of those people right uh, 
is uh, an amazing community when yeah. you think about it. So uh, we, we, we get to know a lot of people in, up and down the, around the square. And uh, that's, that's, that's really terrific for us. You know, we look forward to getting back to that community again. Yeah. Yeah. Face to face. Yeah. Those face to face interactions, those hugs with our family. Um, yes. And some people. travel. And because we did travel. a lot of traveling in our last 33 years, but uh, haven't done any since COVID. No. Yeah. That sense of adventure. Yeah. Well, uh, Don and Carol, thank you so much for joining me uh, for our podcast. And it was really nice to, to, to catch up and check in and hear your perspectives. And uh, maybe after a little bit more time, we can, we can check back in again. Good. Yeah, well, thank nice. you for inviting us, Brian. Nice to get to know you a little better, too. Thank you. Bye. Brian, that was just uh, very uplifting to hear their uh, positive attitude and how they're using technology as well to, to stay in even closer touch with their family members. That was great to hear. Yeah, yeah, they've they've found so many ways to stay in touch and and they you know talking about the quality of their uh, their interactions with people that they may not have had had COVID not happened. So that was really interesting. But you know they're clearly a great great couple. They they really uh, are very engaged in the community. But you know looking forward to getting out on the other side of all this is important to them as well. So. Well, that wraps up another great show, Kristen. Uh, thank you all for joining us on this ep uh, latest episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have a lot of great content, as we've always said. We've got a great blog with wonderful resources uh, where people can really learn more about aging and the services we offer. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on with NERS and our communities as well. If you have any questions or feedback for us, please email us at info at erslife.org. We love hearing from our listeners. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Fiasha Davis is our associate producer, and our technical director is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests, including James Willis and Don and Carol Mead. And as always, a special thank you for, uh, to uh, President and CEO, Laura Lamb, uh, for providing her updates. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds, and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to you joining us for our podcast next week. Thanks so much, Kristen. You bet, Brian. Looking forward to our next conversation. Thanks. Talk to you next week.